Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. You know what, you should just turn this off right now. (laughs) Let's try again. No, we're glad that you tuned in for another episode here. We are, uh, we, we enjoy doing this. <laughs> That's why we're so sad about That's it. That's why we're telling ourselves this over and over again. We're like, we like this. This is good. It is good. It's our favorite thing to do. I don't know if it's my favorite, but I enjoy it. Yeah. It's gratifying. Yeah. So we do two on Tuesdays, two on Thursdays, three on Saturdays. This is number three on Saturday. And next week we're going to be doing like 17 we're, on Tuesday. We're stacking them up because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Pastor PJ is taking a trip. No, not next week. Oh, is that not next week? No, I'm going to whatever. <laughs> I'm going to a board meeting. It's not you're like, yeah, he's going to Aruba. He's kicking his feet up for a <laughs> while. The big island. He's going on vacation. No, I'm going to Full a service. board meeting in December. That sounds fun. Yeah, they're called board meetings for, for a reason. reason. Yeah, yeah, board. Hey, hey, let's jump into Ezekiel though. Let's do it. Ezekiel chapter 24. I, I will just betray my feelings on this up front. This is my least favorite chapter in the entire book of Ezekiel. What? Even more than chapter 23. I don't like chapter 23 either with the the, the detail, but there's something in 24 that is just, it's just hard. Uh, we open with another date. This is either 587 or 586, depending on, on some interpretive issues here, but uh, January is the month here. I got 588 or 587. <laughs> you have 588. See, there you go. <laughs> and some of these, well, so yeah, some of these dates are challenging because of when you start the marking. When he says the 11th year from or the seventh year from this, right. w- when is he counting from? That's the question. Right. And the, the question is, is he counting a, a, a year as in the reign of a king or right. is he counting the number of years of exile? Right. And, and that's not always clear here. Yeah, so we can get clear within a range, but... Um, that's a good example there. Well, hey, in chapter 24, he returns to the idea of the cauldron in the pot. And uh, this time God says, uh, hey, um, it's it's not a good thing because uh, you're going to be in the pot and uh, it's it's not good. It's, it's a bad situation here. The people are going to be consumed uh, for their unashamed sinfulness is really what the, the idea here is in the first 14 verses or so there. And, and so much so that the empty pot, did you notice that the empty pot is put back on the fire? Uh, just to, to thoroughly communicate the fact that God's wrath is is not leaving anything left. Uh, usually we don't do that. We cook a meal, we pull the pot off the stove, we empty it into the serving dish, and then we put the pot to the side or put it in the sink. God puts it back on the fire. Yeah. And the idea there is this ju- judgment complete. is going to be thorough and complete. Yeah. But here's the difficult part, and that uh, begins in verse 15, where it says, or verse 15 and 16, basically God comes with Ezekiel and says, I'm about to take away, now notice this, the delight of your eyes. I'm going to take away your wife, is what he's saying, and yet you shall not mourn or weep or let your tears run down. Sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind on your turban. Put on your shoes on your feet. Don't cover your lips. Don't act like you've lost anyone. So I spoke to the people in the morning and evening. My wife died on the next morning. I did as I was commanded. Man, this was so hard to wrestle with. It's heartbreaking. This is his wife. I mean, think about that. You who are listening to this, who are married, God removes his wife. And, and it's not as though Ezekiel didn't love his wife. I'm going to take away the delight of your eyes. She's gone and you can't mourn for her. Why? Right? Why? And, and the answer is, is this is an object lesson. Uh, and this is a representation of what God was going to do with the judgment of his people. 
but but y'all, this is hard. I want to tie a nice neat bow on this for you to let you go away and 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 be okay with all of this at the end of the day. Y'all, this is one of those situations where our finitude bumps up against God's infinitude and faith has to engage. Because I, I I'll tell you as your pastor, I wrestle with this, which is going, God, I, I don't I don't I don't understand this. I I don't understand it. I think it's good that we allow scripture to offend us. I, I mean, that, again, it comes back down to who's the who's the creator and who's the creature, and ultimately, even for things that we don't like, and that's true for all of our lives. Granted, none of it typically is going to be so extreme as God saying, "Hey, I'm taking away your your beloved, your spouse." But when we're confronted with these things, it's a, it's a great reminder for us. Like, do I believe what I say I believe? Right? Is God really in control? Does He really have the best plan? If His plan violates my good plan. At some point, I just have to say, Lord, you're the Lord and I'm the, I'm the creatures. Be it to me as you will, yeah. to quote Mary, even though it was about a much different situation. I wonder if, if Ezekiel, in his own mind, wrestled with that. I can't imagine he didn't have some compulsion and some compunction, rather. And not to mention, I mean, we, later on in the chapter, God's going to tell him when he's not going to be mute anymore. So I, I, I think... During this season of life, he was mute unless he was preaching. I think that's what we saw earlier in the beginning of Ezekiel. God made him mute unless he was preaching. And so I wonder if he even had a really, if he was even able to tell his wife, hey, sweetheart, I love you, you know, get your house in order, prepare. I don't know what that was like, but I just know that that was a tough situation. And it's a good reminder. God's in control. And this is, this is going to be hard. God cares more about cares more about his glory and his honor than he does about any individual person in the world. Uh, That is to say, everyone's expendable. Everyone's expendable if it means bringing glory to Christ. And if you believe that, you ought to be aware of what that suggests, what that means for your life. That means if God wants to, he could expend your life and say, you're done. And you're going to, it's going to be good. Everything's Romans eight. We look at this chapter in light of Romans eight. Everything is for your good and for His glory. So mm-hmm. I could even say, man, if I were to die, that is good. As hard as it would be for our loved ones, we could say, if they if their death in Christ, if if they die in Christ, that's good. That's good. God's going to use it for His glory and for their good. I know that. Yeah, and there's prescriptive and descriptive in the Bible, and because because as you're saying all that, I'm thinking, yeah, in, in situations like this happen, children get cancer and die from cancer, right? When our loved ones have things happen, women get raped, things awful, horrific, terrible things happen in people's lives. And Romans eight twenty eight is still true. I think one of the things I struggle with most here is when God says, don't mourn for her, don't cry, right? Like even Job was allowed to cry, was allowed to mourn. And and maybe carried that too far, and, and God eventually showed up to say, "Hey, look, this is who I am. Don't forget who I am in all of this." And that's why I bring up the prescriptive, descriptive. Look, if if you lose someone, God is not looking at you, expecting you to be passionless about that or non-emotive about that. It's it's proper, it's right to weep, right? I mean, think about even Paul with the Ephesian elders in Acts twenty eight or Acts twenty. He was weeping with them as he was leaving them, and that was just to depart from them. He knew what was coming, but. So emotion is not bad, and, and that's not what we need to take away from this. This is a prescriptive, or this is a descriptive situation. Ezekiel's left not prescriptive for us as Christians, but it is it is difficult to to wrap our minds around this. I, I would add, this it's not unlike God to command our emotions, though. That that that's not this is not the first time God has done this. Think about the feasts that he calls Israel to celebrate. For those who are mourning, they're not to mourn during those times. Right, they're to celebrate. Right. If you lost somebody. He says, no, don't mourn. 
you're to celebrate, you're to rejoice during this time because the Lord is delivered. So God negates and in real ways, the emotions that you might presently feel and say, no, I, I want you to do this instead. Rejoice always, Paul says. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. So I think he could look at Ezekiel and say, dude, you need to rejoice in the Lord and give thanks in all circumstances. I don't think he would say don't cry, obviously, but I, 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 again, this comes back to the creator-creature distinction here. God can command us, feel this, despite your circumstances. I want you to do this as an act of obedience and love for me. And I think this is one of those times. Granted, I think God gave grace for Ezekiel to do. Obviously he did. And I think in every one of the, the seasons that we go through, God's going to do the same for us. Well, and you bring up seasons, Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time to weep, right? There is an appropriate time for that. Even Romans 12, we, we are to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. So I think that's, I think there's an appropriateness to it. And, and I, again, I think this is why this stands out so much to me. Yeah, you're right. There, there are the festival times where God said, hey, when, you, when you're uh, uh, coming to this festival, this is not the time for mourning. Yep. But I, I, I don't think that was total, like in to, totality there. This is just one of those situations where it's like, okay, God, you're taking away his wife as an object lesson to the people of Israel about their sin. And, and to go back to what we talked about yesterday, with chapter 23, this is a, this serves as another reminder to us of the gravity and seriousness of sin that, uh, I, I mean, think about the cost. You brought this up yet on Saturday when we were in our, our, our men's Bible study, the cost of Christ on the cross. I don't think we appreciate that enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ezekiel loses his wife. God lost in, in a, a temporal sense, his only son by nailing him to the cross for our sin. That was the cost to the Father for this. And, and we look at that as such a joyful thing because of what it means for us. It means forgiveness for us. But for God to, to punish his son that way, to, to not just have his son taken from him, like Ezekiel has his wife taken from him, but to actually be the one that kills his son. I mean, think about that for a moment. Like that, God takes our sin very seriously. And if, if there's one thing that, that I think I can kind of grasp and take away from 24, it's, it's certainly that. God takes sin seriously. Amen to that. Yeah. Chapter 25 and 26, we get into these prophecies against the nations. and uh, Which is the next several chapters, 25 to 32, give or take. Yeah. We're looking at the nations, God dealing with them. So this is a transitional part of the book. Yeah. And the, the one thing that's interesting through these is that, that there is not the, but I'm going to preserve a remnant from you. And that's what makes these different from Israel. Uh, Israel is God's people and uh, are still God's people today. These nations are not God's people. They were rebellious. They were sinful. They were unjust. They were, were wicked. They were evil. And God punished them and punished them to the full extent and, and was done with them. Um, and uh, and when you look at, at chapter 25, you've got Ammon, you've got Moab and Seir, you've got Edom. Edom, uh, remember the, the descendants of Esau, you've got the, the relationship to Israel there. Um, what's unique about Edom is, is God says there that he's going to use Israel to afflict judgment there, which in the intertestamental period, the book of Maccabees records this, God does use the Israelites to, to bring final judgment against Edom in, in fulfillment of this prophecy. You've got Philistia. And, and then in chapter 26, you've got Tyre. Uh, tw- this chapter was was uh, another eye-opener for me because I think there's a lot of parallels between Tyre at this time and what we see in, in the United States. Tyre was a, a leading commercial uh, nation of the time, was a, a very wealthy nation at the time, was kind of on the top of the, the, the food chain in a lot of that, that way. And Tyre was going to be humiliated because of their, their pridefulness. And, uh, and so that's where, where we go in chapter 26, this judgment that's poured out against a, a prideful nation like Tyre 
And I think that that says something again to what we talked about yesterday, just our need to be praying and praying for our leaders and praying for God to save and praying for God to turn the, the tide and to humble us, uh, hopefully in his wrath, remembering some mercy at the same time. Yeah, so um, when you're reading the prophecies against Tyre, love for you to write down in your Bible or at least make a note, chapter 29, verses 17 through 20. We're going to have to talk about that when we get to that chapter. But um, God's going to use Ezekiel to prophesy to Tyre about Nebuchadnezzar's um, intended uh, intended <laughs> siege and plunder of Tyre. Well, surprise, surprise, it actually doesn't happen. He spends 13 years trying to to win victory over Tyre, and he does eventually. Uh, but due to some cleverness on their part, he actually receives none of the plunder that he intended. And so God's going to speak to that in a few chapters about how uh, about how God responds to that turn of events, if we could even call it that. But I want you to pay attention as you read chapters 26, 27, 28, which I'll speak about Tyre. I want you to look carefully at what God says about uh, about their impending doom and judgment. And then we'll compare that when we get to chapter 29. Well, let's turn to a book without 29 chapters. Okay. Let's turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 has a lot to say about saying a lot. She didn't say a whole lot, huh? Right. Yeah. Maybe we should shorten this podcast. Maybe we should. Hey, we're on we're on track for one of our most efficient episodes yet. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Has how much do we have to say about this? He starts so with a much. warning warning to teachers, uh, for you will be judged with greater strictness. What's that mean? What's he talking about? For those of us who teach, we are held to a higher standard because we know more. And beyond that, you're telling others what they should do. Right. So for you and for me and for anyone else who opens the word of God and teaches others to do it, to, to preach it, one, there's that sense of you got to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved to work or has no need to be ashamed of rightly handling the word of truth. That's the that's the Awana verse. So one, you, you need to not mis, misrepresent the Bible and God. Two, you're telling people what to do with it. So you better be right on both accounts and you better have a clear conscience on your side that you're doing what you tell other people to do. Yeah. Yeah. Paul says, keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine, um, your life and your doctrine. So it's not just our doctrine to your point. It's both. Yep. It's our doctrine and how we live our lives. He goes on here to then talk about the danger of the tongue. And, uh, Jesus said the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. So the tongue is just the, the vehicle and the tongue. The reason why the tongue is so deadly is because, because it betrays what's in the heart. It, it betrays what's true about the inner person. And he's saying we need to be careful because the, the tongue, though small, is, uh, is, can do a massive amount of damage. Um, he compares it to a spark in a forest uh, setting a blaze. He compares it to the, the rudder of a ship setting the direction of the ship. And he says we need to be careful that, that the words coming out of, our out of our mouth are indicative of who we truly are. And he says, the, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, verse 10. It shouldn't be that way. And then his point here is this, similar to what Jesus says. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? The answer there is no, right? It, it pours forth what it is. If it's fresh water, it's going to have fresh water. If it's salt water, it's going to have salt water. And so his point there is, if you are with your mouth cursing other people, then then that's more indicative of what's coming out of your 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 heart. That's what's truly there. And, uh, and so we need to be careful about that. Man, this message is so needed in our culture today. I, I'm, I'm so tired of profanity being it's everywhere, acceptable, everywhere. And just professional, private, everywhere, music, <sighs> everything. It, church, be different. Book be covers, man, different on this. 
it's yeah it has become it's become the the mark of authenticity and it's anything but it, it is it is the mark of authenticity it's the mark of who you authentically are your heart is being revealed yeah and that should that should be enough for us within the church to make sure that that this is not that, that, that this doesn't have a part in, in our lives at all yeah let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor coarse joking uh this is not fitting for a christian right and that man we often wonder well what can we say then can can i say heck instead of saying hell um can we use euphemisms instead of the things that are people that people are actually saying and i i think that's a, that's a bad question the better question is is does my speech reflect purity does my speech reflect god and if it doesn't then hey make some changes i mean i i remember when i when i became a christian i stopped cussing like i just stopped I never slipped. I never had an accident, uh, an oopsie. I I just stopped because I'm like, well, God's not pleased by that. Uh, now, th- that said, I think all of us probably have speech where we go awry, and this is exactly James' point. Who can control the tongue? Um, because it reveals your heart incessantly, whether you want it to or not. But you should, as a Christian, aim to make sure that your language reflects the goodness and the holiness of God. Yeah, yeah. And instead, we need to be those that are, are wise in understanding Um as he continues on there, verse 17, he says, the wisdom from above, which is what we were after, which is what we hope characterizes us instead. He says, is, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Those are the characteristics that we want to characterize us and our words and our speech. So That's right. Yep. Well, there you go. That was, uh, that was easy. maybe not our most efficient, but up there. I don't know, man. We should stop talking now. Yep. And they should come back again tomorrow to hear us talk more. They're better. All right. See ya. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.